Good morning, everyone. Well, the lights are bright. <coughs> hello, hello, hello. Um, it's Good Friday, and yes, I'm being the camp speaker guy, dude, person, and uh, I'm very nervous about that. <laughs> I'll just put it out there. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm a youth minister, or youth coordinator is what my official title is at my church. So when um, Pastor Joe asked me to speak at your church, I was like, yeah, sure. I'm thinking like the youth camp, you know? And then he's like, oh, no, it's like the, 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 the adults. I was like, oh, no. I don't know if I'm, you know, am I at that spiritual level yet? But, you know, I just think um, one of the things about following God is that he increases your capacity, you know, in different areas, in different seasons. He has a, an ability to increase your capacity whether it be your capacity to love your husband or your wife or your children um, or to work or to be... God just has a way of doing it. And I think for me, it's like, all right, God, is this one of your things? Because if it is, I will say yes. I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, um, just a little bit about me. I'm, so I've been here a few times. So I don't know how much is redundant, but I'll just say a little bit more. Okay, I'm, I'm 39 years old. Um, I do, uh, I'm a youth minister, I work three days for my church, and then I work in four high schools as a scripture teacher in the local high schools. Um, I've been doing that for seven years in a paid capacity, and before that I did it for six years, just voluntary. And I just love working with young people, and I love communicating um, the truth of God to younger people. And because they're just a little bit more immature, I feel like I can connect easier. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I don't know what that says about me, but it's, there it is. Um, I have three children. One is five, the other is two, and the other one is zero. Um, I was saying to Brother Dan over here um, earlier, I was like, I'm, I've reached a stage where going to work is having a rest. <laughs> if you're a parent, you know what I mean. Like, you can't wait to get to work and, like, get out the door. See ya, have a great day, I've got to go to work. Like... And even if I, I was saying to Dan, like, even if I've spent all night, my kids have been up and down and up and down and sick, I still can't wait to go to work. It's like, oh, God, I need a rest, I need a mental health break, I need a physical break from, you know, being a parent. So I never thought that day would come. My gosh. You know, like, I always thought that work was like, oh, I've got to go to work, it's Monday. And I was like, yes, it's Monday, see ya. <laughs> I've got to go preach to the lost, dear. You know, spiritualize it. So yeah, it's Good Friday. So um, Pastor Joe said you want to do your series. I said, oh, no, let's talk about Good Friday. We have to. It's, you know, it's a big event in, the, in our Christianity, and um, I just felt like that's the right way to go. So I have three things I wanted to say, talk about. Where's my phone? Oh, I left it over there. Give us a time. I thought I might um, time myself this morning. Sorry, I'm going to get out of camera shot. Because I can actually go on and on. And I don't think that's a good idea. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so I'm going to time myself just in case, and just so I know, like, okay, going too long. Um, so Good Friday. So I think of Easter story and Jesus, and we, this is the day we commemorate Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I think most of us, we get that. And so um, I just have three things I really wanted to talk about. If I get to the third one, that's great. But um, Good Friday, I think... There's a lesson to be learned in Jesus' attitude. 
And as we look towards um, the cross, and we always also think of Palm Sunday, where he, you know, he comes in on Palm Sunday, he's on the donkey, he tells his disciples, go and get a donkey, it's tied up around the corner. If they ask you who is it for, just tell them it's for, you know, it's for the Lord and he needs it. And it, he'll give it straight back and they'll let you have it. And so already you've got this miraculous event where Jesus just knows that there's a random donkey over there. <laughs> no one's ever ridden it and they're going to be fine with you taking it. And so here he is. He's riding victoriously into Jerusalem, palms being laid for him, people singing Hosanna. And at the same time, he's, he knows where he's heading. He knows the cross is coming. And yet, he doesn't shirk. He doesn't step back. He doesn't, you know, go backwards in fear, even though he knows exactly what's happening and where he's heading towards. He's okay with that. And I think my first point is, Faith is difficult. Embrace it. Faith is difficult. It's hard. Embrace it. Too many times I think one of the things we do in our faith is we try to make it easy and then we spiritualize it, making it easy. We say, we say things like, I need to go to Bible college because if I know all the, all the Bible well, then I can share. You know what I mean? If I, um, you know, I need to get there early and prepare and I need to plan and we do a lot of things, which is not bad things. I'm not getting, don't get me wrong. But sometimes what we do, we have a thing in our human heart where we just want to push the easy button. And sometimes the easy button looks like once I know what I'm doing and I'm planned and I'm prepared and I'm financially secure and I know my Bible really well and my family's all set up. And, you know, once I do all these things and then God asks us to do something, we're like, oh, hang on, I can't do that because I don't know enough about that. So I better just go and plan and prepare and do all these and I'm not against planning and preparing, but what sometimes I think we're, we're doing these things in order to make things easy for our faith. And sometimes faith is not easy. In fact, often, in fact we're called to enter into a difficult persecuted faith, Jesus said. He said, the servant is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Think about that. Faith is actually hard. It's supposed to be hard. And instead of sometimes going, oh, that looks hard, I'll, I'll just go over here because, you know, we need wisdom and we need, to, we need to be balanced. And we need to just check the word here before I do that. That looks a bit crazy, you know. And sometimes God's like, no, 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 I'm calling you into a bit of craziness over here. You're unprepared for that and that's why I want you to go here. And look, if you look through the Bible, that's the story of many men and women, right? Moses turns aside, he's a burning bush. Moses, Moses, blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, I'm not the run, right one, God, you know. Jeremiah's too young. Gideon's hiding in a wine press. Paul's going about the wrong thing, and yet God still calls us into these difficult situations that are hard for us, and he calls us to basically obey him, not try to be logic and rationale about things all the time. I think of, you know, the um, story of Saul, and Saul and Samuel, and Samuel says to Saul, um, Hey, Saul, go over there to the Amicalites or somethingites. Go over there and kill everyone, everything, and even all the livestock, and then come back. And that's what God wants you to do. So um, Saul's like, okay. So Saul goes over and he lays like a um, little trap for these people. And then he slaughters them all and then he, and he takes the king captive. And then he's like, mm, but these sheep and these cattle, what we'll do, um, they look a little bit good. So, you know, surely God's productive. Mate, you know what we'll do? 
we'll do a sacrifice for God. We'll keep the sheep and the goats and we'll sacrifice. Even though he was told, no, don't do that. He decided, oh, I'm going to use my rationale, my logic. You know, I'm going to do things. I'm going to serve God my way, basically. And he thinks he's doing the right thing because, you know, he's doing a sacrifice to God. So surely that's, you know, godly, right? And the famous words of Samuel, he comes up to Saul and like, hey, Saul, what is this bleating in my ears? What are the lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul's like, oh, yeah, yeah. What we did was we killed everything. We did the right thing. We did everything you said. We did everything God wanted. And then we saved the good ones, and we're doing a sacrifice. And Samuel's like, no, 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 no. God didn't ask you to do that. God didn't ask you to do a sacrifice and to save. He said, kill it all. And then he's like, let's just have a little read, eh? First Samuel. Let me just find First Samuel. <coughs> To 15, I believe. Yeah, here we go. In verse 13. So 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'm reading from verse 13. It says, When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amicalites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once more in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord's anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission. And then jump down to verse 19. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. <clears throat> and now I'm just going to jump ahead. Verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of men, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sins and come back to me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said, I will not go, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. So <clears throat> we have a tough moment. Tough. But essentially, Saul didn't obey. He didn't blindly obey. And one of the things, I mean, um, Chris brought it up before. Jesus, three times he prayed that he wouldn't have to do what he has to do. He sweated, you know, blood, drops of blood. I mean, I don't, I've never done that, something like that. That sounds, you know, next level intense. But three times he's like, you know, God, is there another way we can do this thing? Because if there's another way, Lord, please take this cup from me. And it was difficult and it was hard. And he didn't decide to do the cross in his own way. He just trusted God, knew what was best, and he blindly obeyed. He just obeyed. Just obey. And I think part of the faith, part of the ways that we can um, understand that faith is difficult and also approach it is be always willing to obey no matter what you think is logical or rational although it seems like this is not a good idea you know we're wasting a lot of sheep and cattle but God doesn't ask you to think what you think he says just do what I tell you and I was raised in a home where my dad was very much like that <clears throat> he was like I didn't ask you what your opinion was Henry I just told you to clean the lounge 
This is not a debate. This is not a democracy. <laughs> One of my dad's favorite sayings. This is not a democracy. Clean your room or you're going to get a hiding. Yes, Dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? He said, I'm the captain of the ship. All you do is just jump when I say. That was my dad's very sort of old school, solid, you know, you do what you're told and that's it. <clears throat> and, I'm so, and I look back and I'm like really grateful for that because it actually helped me in a lot of my faith over the years. My, my, my dad, the way he was, it's helped me when I relate to the Heavenly Father that, you know, my job's not to question God's thinking and his rationale and his, what seems to me to be illogical at times, but my job is just to say, yes, God, I will obey. And so <clears throat> Christianity's hard. We need to embrace it. You know, um, there's, a, there's an also G.K. Chesterton who said, Christianity, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting, but it's been found difficult and left untried. Do you know what I mean? You think of the majority of people who don't want to be Christians, a lot of the times because they just want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And if you follow God, guess what? God has an opinion of everything. The way you think, the way you act, what you wear, like everything. God's like, you know, he cares about it all. How you treat your children, what you, how you pray when no one's looking, how you, you know, it's just, you know, everything you think of and can do, God cares about and so there's, you know, there's like a line. There's a boundary everywhere. There's like morale, you know, these things that God requires of us. And it's just difficult, isn't it? To like do it all properly and, and love the Lord your God and do it from the heart and not just be in a place of religiousness. And yet, that's why many people just go, yeah, that's, I just want to go do what I want to do, you know. I just want to game all night, wake up go to school, be tired in class, maybe not pass. I just want to go, you know, sleep around. I'll come back to God later. People say that to me, said that many times. Youth, young people said that to me. It's like, oh, is it okay if like, I come to God later on? It's like, oh, why? You want to go have a little dabble, dear? You want to go do the things of the world? It's like, yeah, I just really want to go experience. You know, you have to experience things. I'm like, oh, Lord, <laughs> He doesn't know. He's unwise. You know what I mean? You think it's going to be great, but you actually get more baggage. Anyway, um, so I love that quote. You know, it's not that it's been tried and found wanting, but it's been found difficult and left untried. Um, and so faith is hard. I can think of uh, many times where I think of this is a difficult situation. And like, here's some like minor ones. Let's say, have you ever like the first time you responded in an altar call? And there was something hard about it because people are watching you. You're just like, oh, I don't know, like, I don't want to go up the front. But, like, your heart's calling you to go to the front and receive prayer. And there's something in you that wants to sit down because, like, I don't want people to see I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> God forbid people know that I'm going through an issue. So I better just stay here. And yet, it's hard. You have to go forward. That's called faith. You have to step out of your seat. Go up the front, receive prayer. I remember the first time I ever raised my hands in worship. Like I was raised, my dad's very stoic and very, um, doesn't talk much. He doesn't really say to me, I love you, son. How was your day? My dad comes home from work, sits on the seat, gets the remote, asks for a cup of tea. Henry, give me a cup of tea. Yes, dad. Henry, take off my boots. I have to take off his work boots. And then he's like, pass me the remote. Pass him the remote. He's like, all right, move out the way. And then he just switches on the TV and... You know, that's, that's time. He's finished. He just came home from work. Everyone needs to be quiet and don't talk. Do you know what I mean? And so 
Consequently, my, me and my dad, we didn't talk much. We didn't really share emotions and stuff. And so because of that, I think my ability to love the Lord, the Father, was a little bit hindered. I didn't really know how to express my emotions. I didn't really know how to, like even saying, I love you, Jesus, was kind of weird. I don't know how, you know, just saying, I love you, Jesus, it just felt weird because I don't say things like that to another man. I know God's not a man, but I look at him like a man, or Jesus is, so he's fully man. And so it was hard to lift my hands because, you know, that felt lovey-dovey, that felt vulnerable, that felt emotional, that felt, you know, like just not the way I was raised. And so I was at a church, this random church um, called City New Life in the city one day, and I'm there, and I'm a Christian. I'm raised in the Lord, and, you know, I've seen people worship, and I'm, you know, I'm, but I'm at this particular church, and I just noticed so many young people just hands in the air, you know? And I'm just looking, I was like, oh, I kind of want to do what they're doing because they look like they're enjoying that. They look like whatever, they're, whatever that is, they're receiving something from the Lord. And there's something in, you know, there's that verse in the Bible that deep cries out to deep. There was something within my heart that was deep enough to cry out to this deep thing of like lifting your hands. And I don't know what it is. I can't even really fully explain it. But I kind of just said, all right, God. I just sort of put my hands out. And then I just was worshiping the Lord. And I was just lost. And I don't know when the song finished, but there's something connected with me. But it was hard to do that. It was hard. And I even still remember looking around like, anyone, you know, noticing me being a vulnerable man? Please don't. Kind of, you know, it's, you know, because especially in my island culture, you're supposed to be big and tough and brown and gangster and we play rugby league. You don't play soccer. We don't play that. We play league. We tackle and we hit each other and we, you know, and everyone's the size of Pastor Joe. He's actually just quite a small islander. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? People like don't even get it. It's like, oh. He's like the size of an islander woman. He's just... Have you seen Island of Women? They're like, boof, calf like that. My mom's forearms are just like, shoo. When she backhands, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get my mom's backhand. And so things are tough in faith. And if you're never willing to do something tough and you always shirk from difficult times, you will never do everything God has called you to do. Because God doesn't call us to do easy things. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? He calls us a lot of times to do hard things because he wants you to do a hard thing on purpose because he wants you to only rely on him. If you can do it on your own, then you're not doing it by faith. You need God to do things of faith and you need to be willing to do difficult, hard things. And how do you define hard? When you don't want to do it and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. If it's hard, it's hard. You know what I mean? And so he wants you to do these things um, I remember many years ago, I was at a camp, and um, we were going good. Me and my wife have been probably married uh, maybe uh, three years now. You know, things are going well. We're, we're doing well with our faith. Um, you know, I feel like we we're stepping out in faith, and we're at this camp where I was one of the speakers. It's a youth camp, so, you know, I was part of the speaking team. We had a team of speakers. And, you know, things are going great, and I get this call, and I answer the phone. It's like, hello, sir. Is your name Henry L. Simpson? But yeah, I'm Henry L. Simpson. This is the Inland Revenue Department from New Zealand. Just letting you know, um, you have a $59,000 debt, and how would you like to pay for that today? 
And this, was all, this wasn't a scam. So some of you have probably got that scam before. The Australian Tax Department, you're like, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> this was a, like legit, you owe 59K, you took out a loan, and she knew details, it was like, you took out a loan for um, Excel School of Performing Arts. Um, when you're 17, I think it says here, your mum signed, co-signed, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, it's been compounding interest since you moved overseas. And I didn't know anything about this, because I was just, Pacific Islands, we're not really good with money. We just don't think much about it. We don't talk stuff. So anyway, um, I'm like, wow, I owe 59 grand. Then my wife comes, and she's like, oh, um, my um, boss just rang to say they're not going to open the business again next year, so I don't have a job at the moment. And also, I'm pregnant. I was like, oh, wow. So 59K debt that I didn't know I had. Our first son on the way. Well, I didn't know he was a son at the, mo at the time. First baby on the way, and my wife just lost her job. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is you. I know your blueprint. I see your fingerprint. This is you doing something. What is this? And it was weird because I totally understood this is a God thing. And I kind of just knew what God was. I just like, this is God. It has to be like, this is just a sign of God's take. He's increasing my capacity somehow. What is this, you know? So anyway, um, my wife, you know, when it comes to finances, if um, she's very, very, um, you know, she needs to be secure and know that I'm going to look after her and everything like that. You know what I mean? So I did not want to tell her that there's 59K. I kind of wanted to just go with the rest of the camp and not let her, not let her know anything about it because I know what she's like. She'll just get depressed and, like, life's over. And I was just like, oh, what am I going to do? So anyway, I talked to her about it and to tell her, and she's like, she gets depressed. <laughs> and it was just a big wake-up call, and I just kind of felt like God was saying, here's a tough thing that you need to learn, and you're going to have to learn it, and you're going to go through it. And so I just went on, we just went on a journey. We did a budget. We knuckled down, we disciplined, we paid off in two years. And then it was like, we actually needed to do that. We needed to go through that because I hadn't learnt budgeting. And I felt like God was saying, I can't give you any more kids because you don't know how to do stuff with money yet, Henry. Here's another, here's an area that you haven't thought about and now's the time for you to learn. And so I had to just learn stuff about money and budgeting and, you know, and it's, nothing, it's not rocket science, <laughs> you know, budget, financial success is not rocket science. It's just do the simple things and say no to, you know, gratification of the flesh. Just instead of taking the $5 and buying $5 of chips, buy a loaf of bread and save $3. <laughs> like, you know, like it's not rocket science, you know. It's like live on less than you make. If you make, you know, 50 grand, don't spend 50 grand. Duh. So it's just like, oh, okay, you know. So anyway... Life's tough, things are hard, and God will take you through times, and you have to be prepared to go, yep, it's tough, but that's okay. Faith is tough. I'm willing to obey. Okay, um, second point, and it's kind of weird. I just wrote down the words love, forgiveness, and grace. Love. Forgiveness and grace. And it's really all encapsulated in the, um, in the message of the cross. You know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that he, you know, dies on the cross for us. He loves us. He loves us. He forgives us. When he died on the cross for our sins, he said, I will take your place. 
You know, sin had left a crimson stain, but I'm going to wash that all away. I'm going to wash that all away. I'm going to forgive you. And then I'm going to empower you with my grace. And so I think of, you know, these three things and just like how much God loves me and loves us. And I honestly believe that understanding the love of God is not just an easy, simple theological thing. It's just a lifelong journey of understanding. It just, there's layers to it. You know what I mean? There's layers to understanding God's love. And it all begins, you know, at the cross. That is the demonstration of God's love for us. And once again, does that love look easy? Has anyone here ever been beaten up by grown men with sticks? <laughs> See what I mean? Soldiers? I could not imagine what it means. If you've ever been in like just a normal fight, but, you know, you're stripped naked. His dignity is taken from him. He's walked in front of his family and the streets. He's beaten up by these foreigners that have come in and taken over the country, the Romans. You know, these soldiers, growing soldiers, and their, their job is to kill. That's what they're good at, and to hurt. And here they are with sticks and fists, and they beat him up, and then they mock him, put on the crown of thorns. Probably the easiest thing he went through that day was the crown of thorns. Do you know what I mean? Then he's marched, tied to a lamppost thing, and just whoosh, I could not imagine. I just could not imagine. I've never been through something. I have one time, my dad laid me over a couch and pulled my pants down and got a big thick belt and just whacked me. And then I had like some purple bruises because I had um, taken rocks and thrown them at the sheep, at the pigs. And my dad saw all these big rocks and said, were you throwing rocks at the pigs? I was like, oh, yeah. And then he gave me this massive hiding. That's probably the worst, the, the closest thing I can think of that might slightly encapsulate what Jesus went through. But it was nothing. Do you know what I mean? And he sh his back is torn and just shredded, absolutely shredded, blood everywhere, and the family and everyone's looking on. And to know that you're totally right and you've done nothing wrong, you know, you have, you, it's just, I just can't imagine. But love will do crazy things. When you love something more than you love yourself, you can do some things like that. I feel like I could do maybe something like that for my kids and my wife, you know, if it came down to it. Could I do that? Yeah, for my sons, I probably could, my wife, my family. Because when you love something more than you love yourself, you can sacrifice, right? And so understanding just that love to the next level of what you could put yourself through and survive. And yet he didn't collapse. Like most of us, you know, we're done after getting beaten up. <laughs> I'm not walking like I'm done. I'm crying. I'm just in a corner. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not walking over there to that. You're going to have to carry me there. And then he's whipped. Then he carries the cross up the hill. You know what I mean? Some of us don't even like walking up a hill without anything. <laughs> Let alone carry some big, you know, even that looks probably lighter than what he carried, you know. But that looks like I could probably carry that. <clears throat> but like, you know, up a hill after everything you've gone through and you're driving him forward. He loves us. That is how much he loves us. And then, you know, slowly dying on the cross. And yet at the same time, he will still say, at the very last... Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness. Just next level forgiveness when it comes to Jesus. The kind of forgiveness that we just, it's almost like we don't comprehend this kind of level of forgiveness. I mean, we find it hard to forgive our brother in church for offending us. <laughs> or our sister, you know, or they didn't show up or they didn't do this. It's very, you know, <sighs> forgiveness is like it's next level. And then this, the grace of God. I think of the thief on the cross, right? 
Forgive, um, this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you're in your paradise. And Jesus says to him, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Just the amazing grace he had, even in his final moments, to forgive and to show grace to this random thief who's done nothing good his whole life, probably. And yet Jesus is like, hey, today you're going to be with me. I love it. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, runs ahead, climbs up a tree just to see Jesus. Jesus comes along and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down here. I want to stay at your house tonight. Zacchaeus comes down. Like, today I'm going to give half of my, everything I have to the poor, Jesus. And if I have, you know, cheated anyone, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Something miraculous happened in Zacchaeus' heart. When, when love and forgiveness and grace just pours over you, you just do crazy things. And I love that Jesus, that Jesus even said to Zacchaeus, he said, today salvation has come to this house. These guys didn't even say no prayers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where's the repentant prayer? Where's the hand my life over to Jesus prayer? Where's the, you know, we've got to walk them through the steps and, you know, if you're a Christian, you have to be born again of the Spirit and, you know, and blah, 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 and you've got to take your free thrive thing before you can give your life to God. These guys just, somehow they got salvation. All we know is he climbed the tree and then gave his money away. That's all we could see. You know what I mean? And yet he received salvation, and the thief on the cross received salvation. And it's almost like God's, if you read through the Bible, all he ever wants from us is just to pay attention, to look towards him, to say, hey, God, you know, remember me. I'm here. It's just like he just can't wait for his children to say, hey, Jesus, how are you? I'm sorry. Can I? You know, and he just like can't wait to say, yes, come. Today you're with me. I love you so much, my son. I've been waiting for this. About time. You know what I mean? And so he loves us. He forgives us. He pours his grace over us. I love, I don't know if you've ever heard this um, definition of grace, but I remember someone said to me, well, I heard it in a sermon, but he said, you know, mercy is like you're going down the road, you got caught speeding, the copper calls you over, he says, hey, you got caught speeding at the $500 fine, um, but I'm not going to give it to you today. I'm just going to rip it up. And, you know, that's a definition of mercy. You've been caught doing the wrong thing, and then the cop shows mercy on you. Grace is like you get pulled over, same thing, $500 fine, and, and God says, and, and then the copper says, here's your fine, I'm going to rip it up. And here's a million dollars, and let me show you how to use that million dollars, and I'm going to be with you the whole way to help you have a great life from here on in. Do you know what I mean? Like, when God gives us his grace, he loves us, he forgives us, and then he wants to bless us abundantly. And this is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that he just wants to forgive us, but he's like, my grace is like, I lavish it upon you, it says in the book of Ephesians. His grace is lavished on us, like, it's more than we need. All of us in this room have so much. I mean, we're rich. <laughs> we're just westernized rich. That's just how it is. You know what I mean? Um, and so let me, let's just show this video before I forget. <clears throat> awesome. So that's from, um, if you've seen The Chosen, just an awesome clip just showing you, wow. Jesus loved that man. He showed his love. He got down, touches him, hugs him. You know, at his eye level, you see the love of Jesus in that moment. Even the forgiveness, because 
you know, in those days, if you had leprosy or something, it's because you did a sin. Those days, that's how they, that's how their um, society operated. If you did, if something was wrong with you, you're obviously out of, you know, God's will. You've done something bad, and so even the cleansing of the leper was saying you are forgiven. And so this leper sees love, forgiveness, and then the grace. You know, you get an extra tunic for no, nothing. <laughs> no, it's probably not actually in the biblical story, but I love it. It shows us the character of Jesus in a different way. Probably you've read that story a million times. Maybe you've never seen it in that, those terms before. But the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, and the grace of Christ. And yet, I guess for me, the practical application of this is we could be a bit more loving with one another, a bit more graceful with one another, a bit more forgiving. One of the things I realized um, at the start of this year <clears throat> was I'm quite an angry dad sometimes. I get really angry easily at, at my kids. And I just think, God, I don't want to be an angry husband or an angry father. You know, that the only time dad's saying something is in anger or correction or like telling me off but just just to show a bit more love some more forgiveness some more grace in our relationships one to one another in some ways it's harder to do that with church people because we're with them each other more it's easier to do it with strangers who we don't really know you know at work because they're not you don't see them all the time as much as you know you do life with your family members and your cousins and your uncles and your aunties and your grandparents and, you know, all these your in-laws. And so I just think how powerful would it look if we walked in a little bit more of that love, forgiveness, and grace. Just love, forgiveness, and grace. Not judgment and disappointment and condemnation and you need to do this and you haven't done that. But just more love and forgiveness and grace. It's all it is. Um, Yeah, that is the message of the cross, really. It's a message of love, forgiveness, and grace towards mankind. And so who are we to withhold that from other people? Who are we to harbor any sort of bad attitude to anyone? Um, I'll just finish with this last quick point. <coughs> I wrote down, don't suck the life out of other people. <laughs> Not that you're the vampires, but um, I just think sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll think of it in terms of a marriage. Sometimes in marriage, we look to our partner to be the life that we need, or our children, if they're acting the right way, then we, you know, we're in. And we know that only person who can give us life is Jesus. And if you do not fill up with the life of Jesus as an individual before the Lord, then you have nothing. You have, nothing go, you have nothing else. And sometimes we think we can feel that by sucking the life out of my wife and that she will somehow, if she acts the right way and she does everything correct, then I'm going to be a happy man. It's like, no, 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 no. Your life must only come from Jesus. And then when we come together, and so that's the kind of a lie that a lot of people think, you know, like when you're single, you think, if only I can be married, then like life will flow through me. Then I'll be happy. And then you get married, and then finally we can have a kid. Then we'll be happy. You know what I mean? If only we can be financially secure. 
then I can be happy. And it's like you're all in one room trying to suck the oxygen out, competing for the oxygen in the room. And it's like, no, no, no. At all points in time, whatever stage of life, the only one who can give us life is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life, the bread and the, the bread of life. He's life. He's the only source of life. He's the river of life. And if we look to anything else to fill that up, we will quickly become dry and barren. And that's where things go wrong. We have arguments. So sometimes I know I'm cranky in the morning and I, have, I might have an argument with my wife. I'm like, ah, oh, I need to have a quiet time. I'm, just, I'm easily angered. I'm not filled up with the love of God at the moment. I need to get away, as Jesus showed us. You know, how always, Jesus often got away in solitude to pray, and he was actually God. <laughs> Why do we think we, we don't need to pray that much? You know what I mean? This is weird. It's like, ah, oh, I go to the prayer meeting on Wednesday and I say my five minutes in the morning. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like, no, Jesus prayed heaps and he's God. You're not greater than the master, so we need to pray more. And it's just one of those things. And it's not that it's about the physical act of praying, but it's about going to your father and receiving life, receiving life from the son of God, the way, the truth, and the life. And so... This Good Friday, let us remember those things, that Jesus is life. He is my life. Only in him will I find life. Um, <coughs> don't run from difficult times, and let us be more loving and forgiving and empowered in grace and giving grace to others. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we, we love you, God. We praise you. You are the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life. Lord, without you, we have nothing. You are Jehovah Jireh, the provider. All that we need is in you, Lord Jesus, and we just praise you. We give you the glory. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I pray, Lord, that this morning we would surrender our lives to you more fully. Fill us with your love, Lord, that we might be more loving and forgiving and graceful to others. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.